And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and this episode of Wrap It Up is brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop, 2013 Danforth Avenue in the east end of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew. As a wise man once said, tell them that I sent you. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto or give them a call 416-917-4833 to book your appointments now. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Shouts to the people that tune in live, as you can catch this podcast live on Twitter, each and every Raptor game, at Shell Alexander. Same thing goes for Instagram, at Sheldon Alexander. We take your comments and questions there. Shouts to the people tuning in live on Twitter and on Instagram. Really appreciate you guys being a part of the live show, because... You guys make this live show, right? We want to hear what the fan base is thinking, especially after a crazy loss like that that came right down to the wire for the Toronto Raptors. But if you're ever unable to make it to the live show, it becomes a podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Just search On Blast Podcast or search my name, Sheldon Alexander. But in terms of this game, game two of your Eastern Conference semifinals between the Toronto Raptors and Philadelphia 76ers came right down to the wire. Raptors lose 94-89. And I'm going to start off by saying this. I feel like the Raptors fan base kind of needed to, you know, needed a bit of the reality check. It's a playoffs. Things aren't going to be easy. You're not just going to walk over a team in the playoffs. Momentum doesn't really travel from one game to the next. There's going to be adjustments. And how well your team adjusts, is how well your team's going to do in the series. The Sixers, they got beat up by Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam in Game 1, and they made adjustments in Game 2. It was, it was simple, right? They made a bunch of changes, but the first one was they put Embiid on Pascal Siakam, Tobias Harris on Gasol, and Ben Simmons played on Kawhi Leonard. Now, when you look at the stat sheet here, again, Raptors scored 89 points, right? Of that 89 points... 35 came from Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard was a problem in this game, right? A huge problem. Kawhi Leonard really, without him, this was a blowout. Sixers win easily, no problem. But at the same time, Siakam came around, right? You look at the numbers, you see Pascal Siakam with 21 points in this game, but 9 of 25 from the floor. And a lot of that was from tough shooting early on for Pascal. Pascal in this game, Right, He started off, I want to say, 2 of 12 or 2 of 10 from the floor. That's the worst I have at that point. I stopped tracking it after a while, but a 2 of 10 stop, start for Pascal isn't a good look. And they didn't really make the adjustment, but what the Sixers did by putting Embiid on Pascal was he was going to give him the 3. He was going to give him that shot. And if you look at Pascal from 3, 2 for 7 in this game. Hit a big one late. But at the same time, Embiid was willing to give him that three, and he kind of played him as if he's Giannis. And follow me for a second here, but I mean, you're playing off of him, and you're going to trust the fact that we know Siakam's game. He's driving to the basket. He's going to keep driving to the basket and try to make tough shots. But that's going to be tougher trying to make these tough shots over Embiid. The adjustment came late for Pascal and the Raptors, and maybe that's a good sign that you can take from this game into the next game, knowing that Siakam kind of figured it out a little bit more as the game went along and finished with 21 points to really try and give Kawhi Leonard some help. 
But from the Philly side, there is some talk about whether or not Joel Embiid would play in this game, right? And he had the stomach flu. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't really know if jo- Joel Embiid has a stomach flu. I have no idea. I really think that Joel Embiid is injured. His knee is really bad. And it wouldn't surprise me if him missing shoot around this morning was just a way to maybe get more treatment, avoid the media, all that fun stuff as he was listed questionable with the stomach flu. There is no chance that Joel Embiid was missing this game with the stomach flu, right? So he could be questionable, whatever, but nobody really believed that. Embiid struggled for most of the game, 12 points, six rebounds, five assists, and six turnovers, which is a very key point in this game. Embiid struggled early. He really did. Out of the gates, Embiid, like he fell on the ground a couple times trying to post up Marc Gasol, settling for bad shots early. Embiid really, really struggled for the majority of this game. But you got to give credit where credit is due. And down the stretch, the Raptors made this crazy push. And down the stretch, Joel Embiid made two monster plays. On one play, he got the ball in the post. Pascal came over and somehow, I don't even know how Embiid pulled this off, but somehow he found Jimmy Butler who knocked down a massive three to give Philly a lead after the Raptors had cut the lead to one. Somehow Joel Embiid found uh, found Jimmy Butler who hit a massive three and that was a big part of the, the Sixers win. And then a couple plays later, Embiid got the ball at the top of the key he upfaked Gasol, and Gasol didn't fully bite, but that little bit of hesitation gave Embiid enough space to where he had the advantage going towards the basket, and then Gasol didn't recover in time. Embiid gave him another up-and-under move right at the rim, got the bucket. That put the Sixers up by three. Raptors with a scramble play at the end, and Danny Green couldn't hit a wide-open look. Raptors lose the game. But you got to give credit to Joel Embiid. He he battled through a very, very tough game and made two big plays at the end of it. Your star players need to come through at the end in crunch time. And for the Sixers, Joel Embiid made big plays, but also Jimmy Butler hit massive shots. Jimmy Butler had 10 points in game one. In game two, Jimmy Butler, 30 points, 11 rebounds, five assists. Now, his shooting numbers... Okay, right? 9 of 22, 4 of 10 from 3. But Jimmy Butler was aggressive in this game. And especially with Embiid not really having it for whatever reason, Ben Simmons played 44 minutes in this game, but most of that was spent at least trying to make Kawhi Leonard work. So not going to knock Ben Simmons at all because he had a very tough assignment trying to guard Kawhi. But they needed the scoring from Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler delivered. Not only with big shots down the stretch, but I felt like throughout the game, whenever they needed a big play made down the stretch, it went through Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler either hit that three, I mean, minus the the Embiid up and under I just talked about, but Jimmy Butler made the plays, and that's why they got Jimmy Butler, essentially. Jimmy Butler went from getting 10 points in game one to having 30 points in game two, and that's essentially the difference so far if you really want to talk about what happened here for the Toronto Raptors and the Sixers in game two but again my name is Sheldon Alexander thank you guys for tuning in let's get to some comments here early because there's a lot of comments and a lot went on in this game we'll get to some comments and then we'll kind of go through in more detail what happened in this game but right off the bat on Twitter someone said ask is Danny Loki injured 
He's been pretty bad the whole playoffs, but no one talks about it. Um, I don't know, Danny Green missing all these shots. It, it is kind of weird, right? We're not used to, as Raptors fans, seeing this shooting performance from Danny Green. We're at one, from, one for eight in this game, one for six from three. And if you're the Raptors and you play out this whole season, how the season's gone along, you can live with Danny Green missing those shots late, right? But when he's one for six, you kind of wonder, hey, the question might have to be asked, right? Is, is Danny Green okay? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe someone will ask him that in the post game or ask Nick Nurse. But at the end of the day, the resume is proven where you're okay with Kawhi Leonard passing up that shot late to Danny Green. I know that Kawhi Leonard was red hot. He couldn't really be stopped, but he was three of 10, three in this game. I mean, 10 threes for Kawhi, wow. But the point remains, the Raptors as a whole, 10 of 37 from three. They shot just 27% from three, 36% overall from the floor. And basically, that's why you lose this game. Score 89 points. 89. That's terrible. The defense wasn't the problem. The Raptors did the same thing they've been doing all year, or all playoffs, sorry, which is keeping teams under 100 points. They just couldn't score. They really couldn't. And that's a tough one because Danny Green has been great for the Raptors all year. Or what happens in the beginning of the game when it's crunch time, you trust the fact that Danny Green is going to knock down those open looks. And even off a of scramble play, he just couldn't do it. Tough look there for Danny Green. Tough look there for the Raps. But at the end of the day, you hope that everything is okay with Danny Green and he'll bounce back and have a better game. But again, this series is going back to Philly. It's going to Philly, sorry. One game apiece. And if you're Philadelphia, it wasn't pretty, but you're going back home with the split. And it was funny hearing the temperature amongst Raptors fans today because everyone was going off as if like this series was over, as if like, you know, jam done. Congratulations, Raptors. You're going to the NBA Finals. And it's like, that's not how the playoffs work. There's going to be close games. There's going to be games where you just shoot poorly. We talked about there's going to be the Jimmy Butler game where Jimmy Butler just makes big shots down the stretch. That's just what's going to happen in the playoffs. What you saw from the Raps, though, in this game was that Kawhi, playoff Kawhi is, is real. Like, there were points where the Raptors were done. Like, they were done for in this game. And, and it was like, nope, count them out. It's over. They got no chance. It's a wrap. And then Kawhi, like, he was coming in, flying in, and getting monster rebounds during that run. He was driving and kicking, finding Pascal for open looks. Like, he was all over the place in this game. And, you know, so much talk about load management. Well, you got 42 minutes of Kawhi Leonard in this game. 13 for 24. Add in seven rebounds. Add in six assists from Kawhi as well. That is a big-time playoff performance that if he gets a little bit of help, someone else shooting efficiently, the Raptors win that game. But between Marcus Gasol, you could tell the Sixers' game plan was we'll try to neutralize Kawhi, but at the end of the day, they're going to force Marcus Gasol, Kyle Lowry, and Danny Green and Pascal to make shots. And if you look at it, Pascal, 2 of 7 from 3. Gasol, 1 of 4 from 3. Kyle, Two of six from three. Danny Green, one of six from three. If your starters are shooting that poorly from three, that's going to be a tough game to win. 
Mark Gasol only had five points in this game. You'd probably want to see a little more offense from him, but you wonder how that adjustment's going to be going forward in terms of what do you do with Gasol in the post if Tobias Harris is on him? Do you feed the big man in the post a little more? Let the offense run through the post? Maybe get some more cutting action? There was a couple plays there where they ran the ball through Gasol in the post. He found Siakam a couple times for a lay-in. I don't know, but that's what the playoffs are about. It's about adjustments, and as much pressure as Brett Brown is on, because people keep talking about the fact that if the Sixers lose this series, especially if they lose it poorly, this could be the end of Brett Brown in Philadelphia. Well, you got to give him credit here because the adjustments that he made slowed up the Raptors' offense. You could, you could argue whether the Raptors missed shots. You could argue if that was just missing shots or if it was Philly's adjustments. But the end result is Philadelphia leaves with a split going back to Philadelphia. They took home court advantage. And that's a win. That's a big win if, you, if you're the Sixers. So credit to them. And, and again, I'd like to get you guys' opinion, what you think of the matchups. Again, Siakam had a massive game in game one, struggled shooting in game two. Again, just nine of 25 for Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry, I think, has got to be given a lot of credit. I loved Kyle Lowry's energy in this game. 7 of 17 from the floor. Kyle Lowry shooting 17 shots. I give him credit because he was super aggressive going to the basket. 20 points in this game, 5 rebounds, 5 assists from Kyle. But his energy was the key, especially early on when only Kawhi had it going. Kyle Lowry, everything was downhill. He wasn't settling for jump shots. He was driving to the basket, trying to get foul calls. Had a couple and ones, and that to me was a good look. Uh... Let's get to some more comments, though. Someone else on Twitter says, okay, let's just cut to the chase. End of the third quarter. We get within two, and we go to the bench. Why? I mean, you look at the starters' minutes in this game, and Kawhi with 42, Pascal with 40, Kyle Lowry with 42. You're looking at Danny Green with 32 and Gasol with 35 minutes. So your three main guys in terms of Lowry, Kawhi, and Siakam, or all at 40 or more minutes. I'm always one to tighten up the bench minutes, and it's it's tough. It's really tough. You look at Philly, Simmons went 44, Jimmy Butler went 43. Those are the two high guys from the Sixers. So if your guys for the Raptors are over 40 minutes, at some point, you just got to put it on the bench and say, hey, somebody needs to score. Norman Powell had three points. He was one for three. Abaka was one for five in this game for two points. Freddie was 0 for two. And at some point, you got to get something from these guys. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the moment is. We know that overall, the playoffs are about, you know, your star players. You hope your bench players perform, but at the end of the day, you're going to ride the starters. But your bench at least has to give you positive minutes, and that didn't happen for the Toronto Raptors in this at all. The Raps cut an 11-point lead down to three. The bench came back in, and it was a wrap, back up to 11. That can't happen. And whether you're Norm, whether you're Fred, at some point these guys got to hit shots. They got to be confident hitting shots, but I think we're seeing the same thing we saw in the first round where you're dealing with a lot of length. So if Fred Van Fleet and Norm are coming off the bench and they're going against Ennis, who's a bigger guard, Tobias Harris is a bigger guard slash forward, Ben Simmons is a bigger guard, Jimmy Butler, right? Like that matchup is a tough one for Fred 
and for Norman Powell. I mean, I know I'm the one that said I didn't think not having OG and Anobi was that big of a deal. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe OG at least gives you a little more length on the perimeter that, you know, his shots aren't going to be bothered as much by the length of some of Philly's bigger guards. But I mean, at the end of the day, some of this has to be on Fred Van Fleet, Norman Powell, and Serge, because they've given the Raptors nothing for the majority of the playoffs. And it's not even just about scoring, because if you're not scoring, cool. But it's got to be defensively as well. You got to at least lock in defensively. You can't have guys like James Ennis coming in off the bench and getting buckets. Greg Monroe also gave the Sixers positive minutes. Greg Monroe came in and had 10 points in 12 minutes. Greg Monroe had 10 points and five rebounds. That can't happen. James Ennis was the, the Sixers' leading scorer after the first quarter. Or I think some way for a good run in the first half, James Ennis was their leading scorer at 11 points. He only scored two the rest of the way, but the point remains, Philly's bench cannot be out playing the Raptors' bench. That's not a thing that can happen if you're the Toronto Raptors, and that's a theme that we've seen throughout this playoffs. The Raptors' bench has been a problem. Fred Van Fleet has not been there at all. Serge Ibaka in this game, I don't know what was going on with Serge, but... I, I hate to say this, especially after such a good season from Serge Ibaka, but it's almost like we went back to last year's edition of Serge Ibaka because some of the things he was doing, it was just questionable, right? Like he's settling for long shots instead of just like, where's the Serge and Kyle or Serge and especially Van Fleet pick and roll for the whole season. We saw that it's money. If Serge gets that ball from the foul line or foul line extended, it's money. We only saw that play once in this game tonight. And when the Raptors are in trouble with that unit, get Serge that bucket right there at the foul line. I don't know why that's not a thing. I don't know why Fred and Serge just aren't running that play over and over again for the whole time they're on the floor. But on top of just not being able to score, Serge Ibaka on Joel Embiid, I don't, I don't know how many times you can bite on a Joel Embiid pump fake at the three-point line, <laughs> but Serge did it twice in this game, and I just don't understand how that happens. I don't get it. There, I need an explanation from Serge Ibaka how that's possible, that you can be biting on Joel Embiid pump fakes from the, from the three-point line. Let him shoot those threes. And yet Serge bit on it multiple times, he looked super awkward out there, just like missing shots. Serge had no flow in his offense. He did a couple, he had a couple nice tap out rebounds, but you're getting minus minutes. Norman Powell minus 17. Serge Ibaka minus 12. Fred Van Fleet minus 18. And I mentioned this at off the start of the podcast, but Jody Meeks, yep, yeah, Jody Meeks is still trending in Canada. That's a little unfair. Jody Meeks got like some, what, a minute run in this game? He didn't play well in that minute he was out there. I mean, he missed a wide open three, which wasn't a good look. And then he turned over the ball late in the third quarter. But I'm not going to be out here slandering Jody Meeks. That's, that's unfair. You got to really look at everybody in this Raptors lineup not named Kawhi Leonard. Because if anyone else in, on the Raptors not named Kawhi Leonard was efficient from the floor for majority of the game until let's say the last eight minutes when Kyle Lowry hit two 
massive, massive threes. If the Raptors get anything from anyone else, they win this game easily. But hey, that happens. This is why so many conversations I was having today with people, when people are talking about Sweep City, people are talking about Raptors winning in five, I was kind of like, let's not read too much into game one. Storylines don't translate that much from one game to the next. Momentum doesn't carry over from one game to the next like that. That's not how the playoffs work. Each game is its own separate thing because in basketball, it's all about adjustments. So now it's on Nick Nurse, right? How do you adjust? What's the next move? Is it just as simple as Kyle, Danny, Marcus Gasol, Siakam? You trust in the fact that they're able to shoot better than they did in this game? I think that's a safe bet. There's enough of a sample size from the trade deadline to this point where the Raptors offense, you trust the ball movement, you trust giving up good shots for great shots, and you trust that Danny Green's going to hit open shots. You trust that Siakam's going to hit those open corner threes. Kyle Lowry's going to shoot that three more with confidence, and hey, if they want to keep sagging off Kawhi, instead of having six assists, maybe that's ten assists for Kawhi next game. But bottom line is, adjustments need to be made if you're the Toronto Raptors because the way that they reacted to Philly's adjustment wasn't a good look at all. Let's get some more comments here, though. On Twitter, uh, Fazil says, Nurse has to make a decision because Fred Van Fleet has been useless. Replace him with McCaw for defense. I don't think that's really fair. And hey, I don't think Fred Van Fleet has played well at all. But I don't think that you pulled the plug on him yet because... He's still a key offensive part of your second unit. And if you pull the plug on Fred Van Fleet now, you don't know how he's going to react to that. You have no idea. Also, I think you wait another game. See how, and I know this is going to sound weird, but if the Raptors bench guys aren't playing well at home, it's really tough to hope that they play well on the road, especially in Philly, which is going to be a crazy, crazy crowd. Right, The story in the playoffs is normally that your bench players play better at home because they got the crowd juicing them up and hyping them up. But what I will say is if there's one thing on the Raptors' side, okay, we've seen Norman Powell have big moments in the playoffs regardless of being on the road or at home. We've seen that before. Fred Van Fleet was a massive part of the Raptors' team and their playoff runs the past few years. So we've seen that before. Serge Ibaka has been a starter on this team for a lot, a long time, right? So I know these guys are all bench dudes, but they're used to getting heavy minutes in the playoffs. And I'm not as worried about them going in on the road as I would be for a quote-unquote normal situation for a team's bench. Does that mean they're going to play well next game? I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not ready yet to say, okay, we're going to scrap this unit and let's go to Jeremy Lin or McCaw or more Meeks minutes. Like, not ready to go there yet. What I think they need to do is just simply get back to basics and focus in on turning their defense into offense. The Raptors as a team, they work so much better that way for sure. But I feel like for the bench, if your offense isn't going, if you can't get things going on offense, it has to start on the defensive end. And that starts with a guy like Norman Powell. 
Norm's great at getting into passing lanes. He's great at bringing energy and getting things going that way. And especially when him and Siakam out there, because normally Nurse, I'll give him a lot of credit for what he's doing with these guys. He'll have, he started out the bench minutes of Fred Van Fleet, Norman Powell, and Serge with Pascal and Kawhi. And maybe it's just going to take a while to have a bit of adjustment because those guys aren't used to being on the floor with Kawhi and Pascal. And maybe that has them a little nervous. They don't know whether to go or whether to pass or what to do. They're not used to it. And, hey, they better figure it out. But, <laughs> I mean, you don't want the trend to continue where you're just relying on Kawhi to keep things close and hope that maybe someone will make a play late. But that worked for the Raptors tonight. Again, I know this is a loss and it's not good, but I, I thought the Raptors would win this series in six. Obviously, if you think the Raptors are going to win in six, that means Philly's going to win two games. So, I'm not rattled by the Raptors losing this game. I just think it was a win Philly needed to get or else they're in big time trouble. But going forward for the Raptors, it's a sign that, yes, you know what you're going to get from Kawhi, but you need other guys to knock down shots. Uh, let's get to some more comments here on Instagram because there's lots of people tuning in. Again, huge shouts, people, if you're just tuning in now live on Twitter, at Shell Alexander. Shouts to you guys for tuning in taking your comments and questions there on Twitter. Same thing, comments and questions live on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Both feeds are up and running, but if you're on Instagram, you want to hear the perfect crispy audio, you want to see the better shot, go to Twitter, at Shell Alexander. And of course, if you're busy right now, you know, you might be on your commute, you might be busy at work, we turn this into a podcast that so you can listen to the next day, or I guess in a couple hours after we finish this, but on iTunes, soundcloud google play and youtube really appreciate all the likes and subscribes and telling your friends as we're right in the thick of it now but it's going to be a solid run for this toronto raptors team because they didn't deserve to be in this game for really being serious they didn't deserve to be in this game right they started off this game shooting terribly they started five for 18 in this game even greg monroe came off the bench and he was cooking but it just wasn't a good look for the Toronto Raptors. Not at all. And if you look at the end of the first quarter, it was the first first quarter of the playoffs that the Raptors had lost. They're down 26-17 after one. Again, the Raptors with 17 first quarter points. If you go back to game one, Pascal and Kawhi had 17 points each in the first quarter of game one. Raptors as a team only finished with 17 in the first quarter of game two. It's not a good start, right? Raptors continued at the end of one quarter. They were seven for 24 from the floor, one of eight from three, and yet we're only down nine. So they're lucky to be in it. Second quarter, they could have turned things around, but their poor shooting continued. Midway through the third quarter, all Raptors not named Kawhi Leonard were four for 26. That's a horrible look. Meanwhile, James Innes came off the bench for the Sixers and he was hitting shots. He was active on the offensive glass, but Philly's ball movement was a lot better. They started this game with 13 assists on 15 main field goals. So they were almost doing what the Raptors normally do to other teams in terms of getting a spark from their bench, but also having a high rate of assists on your made field goals. 
And there were some huge turns in this game. I mean, huge plays where if you look at it and you're talking about, what, a one-point game with under a minute to go, like seconds to go in this game, talking about a one-possession game, and you look back at a couple moments where Nick Nurse gets attacked for arguing a non-call. This was during a Philly 11-4 run. That now extends the lead, right? Those are all points you want back at the end of the game. Now, I understand that, obviously, you know, if you just remove the technical foul, you can, it's not as simple as just removing that one point off the board because it changes the context of everything else that followed. But at the end of the day, the Raptors, at certain points of this game, got too caught up in the referees. And I'm not saying the referees were good in this game. I'm definitely not saying that. But it's always tough, especially when you're trying to make a comeback, to be putting yourself in a deeper hole by giving away free points. And the Raptors did that a couple of times in this game, arguing a non-call on Kyle Lowry. Cool. I understand it. I get it. But what ended up happening was the Raptors would make a little bit of a run. They would get it to 13. And then Jimmy Butler hits another three. Right? Danny gets a tech. On that Jimmy Butler three, Jimmy Butler kicks out his legs. It's not a good call by the refs. But at the same time, you're trying to make a comeback. You just cut it to 13. And then now Jimmy Butler hits an and one three. And then now you add on to it by giving him an extra point on the technical foul. That's a five-point swing. It's an and one three. He hits a free throw to make it four. Now add on the technical foul for arguing. And that's five points. Those are huge swings, especially when you're trying to make a comeback. Because what ends up happening in a basketball game when you're down and you're chasing the whole game is you have to exert so much energy just to get back into the game that now by the time you get there, do you have enough to get over the hump? I mean, Kawhi Leonard did. <laughs> I don't know about everyone else. But still, the point remains... You got to give the Raps credit because they didn't deserve to be in this game at all. And yet they found themselves only down 13 at the half. Danny Green hit a three on a three on one late in the first half. And that was a crazy look. But at the same time, Raptors still find themselves down 13 at the half. Now, they went on a 5-0 run to close the second quarter. And then a 5-0 run to start the third quarter. 10-0 run overall. Brand new ball game. You're right there. The Raps kept coming, and you give Kawhi Leonard a lot of credit because although he had it going, and although everyone else was missing shots, he still wasn't looking guys off. He was finding Pascal for a three. You know, then Marcus Gasol mentioned that earlier. He had that great little, you know, big man game with Siakam going. The Raps were right there, and you got to give them credit for keep shooting the ball because Gasol was hesitant earlier. But he hit, finally hit a big three, then got to the line, hit some free throws. All of a sudden, one-point game. Now, I will say this. That Raptors one run did come while, I mean, I don't know the experimentation that your boy, experimentation, is that even a word? I don't know what kind of experiments your man's Brett Brown was trying to run, but the Raps make a run in the third quarter. And at one point, the Sixers lineup was Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, your man's Innis, your man's Bolden, and your man's Boban. <laughs> now, I don't know what part of the game plan that was. I know that you're playing your starters heavy, heavy minutes, and so 
you know, it's a tough game for, for Brett Brown, but I don't know if that's a lineup you want to see out there for a long time. Boban, Bolden, Ennis, Reddick, and Simmons. Hey, Raptors make a run and give Nurse again a lot of credit, but they tried to close it out with Kawhi in the bench and they couldn't just make the run. But at the same time, it was just that point where it was super apparent that the Sixers bench was outplaying the Raptors bench. And even if you left Kawhi out there with the Raptors bench, it was basically still just the Raps holding on for dear life. Solid job by Siakam. Basically ended up switching Siakam for Kawhi in terms of getting minutes with the bench. But Serge Ibaka at one point checked out with four fouls in 11 minutes. <laughs> I mean... Surge was a big problem, and I don't mean in the slang term way of a problem, like Kawhi was a problem. I mean, Surge was a problem for the Raptors in terms of being a negative. Just not a good look. Not a good look at all. Again, in the second half, Kawhi Leonard was 10 of 17. All Raptors not named Kawhi Leonard, and this is how the game started. All Raptors not named Kawhi Leonard started out 14 for 52. That is atrocious. That can't happen. And the starters come back in. The starters do the job. They cut it to one. And then, boom, it turns out to be 11 again. Because of the bench. That's not a good look. You got to figure out the rotation there. You hope. I don't know what's going on with Norm, Fred Van Fleet, and Serge. But you got to figure it out. And I think the, the, the game plan has to be you got to focus in and lock in on defense, try to get turnovers, but you also got to key in on that pick and roll with Surge and whoever. Maybe it's leaving Kyle in for extended minutes so that Kyle is making a concerted effort to run that pick and roll with Surge, but you got to figure out a way to get positive minutes from those guys because that's the ball game right there. That's the ball game. Not a good look from the Toronto Raptors at all in terms of what they got from their bench minutes, but... <laughs> I don't know. I know this is a loss, and so I shouldn't be... I'm not happy, but I'm saying Kawhi Leonard did put a smile on my face for the majority of this game because that guy is... He is a beast. He makes all the little plays, like coming out of nowhere and grabbing like huge offensive rebounds when nobody else had anything for the Raptors. Kawhi's flying in for rebounds, getting and ones. He's driving to the basket. I love the fact that when the Raptors were down... Kawhi wasn't settling. He was driving, trying to get to the basket. And I brought this up a lot during the regular season. But if you're familiar with the Toronto Raptors and watching prior Toronto Raptors teams, you're used to seeing the difference between what DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry would do in terms of trying to drive and flailing, trying to get the calls. Like you're trying to get a foul to get to the line. You see even MB do it a lot in this series. You see even James Harden doing it a lot and having a lot of troubles with it now. But Kawhi Leonard is different. When Kawhi is driving to the basket, he's taking the contact and still trying to score. Now, mind you, that's a muscle thing. Like, for sure, Kawhi is built like a beast, for sure. But it's also mindset, right? Like, he's trying to get to the basket to score, not to get to the foul line. And just to watch what this guy is capable of doing on a nightly basis at both ends of the floor. Because again, Ben Simmons, say what you want about Ben Simmons. I know Kawhi still got busy in this game, but Ben Simmons made him work hard, made Kawhi work hard. And you got to give Ben Simmons credit for what he was able to do in this game to not stop Kawhi, but make Kawhi work. 
Let me get to some comments here because I was scrolling to the top and then there's so many comments I didn't get to the top and then I uh, <laughs> then I got uh, sidetracked on a little a different point. But let me get to some more comments here because uh, someone named I'm gonna go with Momo here on Instagram says Pascal is shooting way too much. Here's what I'll say about Pascal Siakam. The glow up has been real. So he spent this whole season improving basically each and every night, okay? And if you go back to the beginning of the season, the very beginning of the season where it was all just that, that uh, Pascal spin move, and then teams started to figure out, and then he had to come with the counter, and he shows now an ability to finish with both hands. Then that adjustment came from other teams, and now you've seen him step out and not be afraid to take that three as his three-point shooting improved throughout the whole season to the point where you saw in the first first series against a team that he struggled against he gave them the business and he gave them he gave them the work every single way possible right hand left hand spin moves floaters jumpers runners three point like everything and what happened in this series right after game one it's kind of tough now for the Raptors after we know that he's the second option to now try to tell Siakam to slow down. And hey, I've been on the side the whole season talking about, hey, sometimes Siakam's a little bit out of control. But at this point now, you got to just accept the fact that you got to roll with it, good or bad, right? Like that's a gift and the curse. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit out of control, but at the same time, you can't temper that energy because that energy is what makes Siakam Siakam. And there was a play where he forced the shot because, again, the adjustment made by the Sixers in terms of putting Embiid on him, Embiid's not going to chase him out all the way to the three-point line. Embiid's not going to guard him all the way on the perimeter. He's going to know he's going to know that Siakam wants to get to the basket, and so he's going to sag off him and say, okay, well, if you want to score at the basket, I'm going to stand here and kind of build a wall and force you to shoot over me. Make your shots at the basket, your finishes at the basket. A little more difficult and that's what Siakam struggled with in this game not good shooting numbers from Siakam 9 for 25 in this game but played a little bit better at the end but much like he's done for the whole season he it's now on him to make the counter and to adjust because we've seen it now where at every point throughout the year once teams started to get that scouting report he found another tool another tool in his work belt Found another little, another little thing that he could pull out that he could turn to in tough situations. So now it's just on him again. What's the next move? Is it driving in but being able to, to pull up in that key and hit the short jumper or hit the floater over Embiid? Because trying to finish right at the basket is going to be really tough trying to do that over Joel Embiid. But again, I want to see what the adjustment is going to be from Nick Nurse, but it's also on Siakam to make a bit more of an adjustment and kind of slow the game down a little. Not just speed, head down, downhill, going to the basket because those are going to be tough finishes and you're also not going to get the calls from the refs all the time. When you're just barreling to the basket all the time, the refs aren't going to give you a foul call every single time. It's just not going to happen. Ask James Harden. So I don't want to say he's shooting too much. Mind you, Siakam took 25 shots in this game. Kawhi Leonard took 24 in this game. I don't know if that's the equation you want if you're the Toronto Raptors, but 
some adjustment has to be made. But that's what the playoffs are about. Uh, more comments here. Let's see. Let says Danny had it. It's tough. Danny Green had a wide open look, and I said it before. I said it on Twitter. I thought the way that this game was going, Danny Green was gonna hit a big three for the Raptors. I felt like it was coming, and he had the look. I don't think you could ask for a better look, but I bet you, if you ask Nick Nurse, you ask Kyle, you ask Kawhi, who's been through playoff battles, heck, you ask Pop, who's probably at home watching this game, if you would have taken that Danny Green look to tie the game late, I bet you he'd say he'd take that 100 times out of 100. And all you need to know is, again, Kawhi Leonard, he had a look from three, and he passed it up to get Danny that wide-open look. So I'm going to trust in the fact that Danny Green is going to be okay, and unless there's something physically wrong with him, the Danny Green game is coming. We know that, right? It's all right. Alex says, the play of our bench has been so far in this or so, sorry, the play of our bench so far in this playoffs has been absolutely unacceptable. I'm starting to think Fred Van Fleet was a one-season wonder. It's been a very up-and-down season for Fred, that's for sure, and there hasn't been consistent minutes for Fred, but also Q brought this up a couple of podcasts ago, but and maybe there's more to it than we all realized, but DeLon Wright not being there and less minutes with Kyle Lowry means that Fred is a sole point guard out there. And I always think of this line going back to the NBA draft, and I forget who Stephen A. Smith said this about, but he called someone a point guard, or sorry, a two guard masquerading as a point guard. Meaning, you're a shoot first guard, but because of your size, you're playing the point guard position. And that might be Fred Van Fleet. Right, Fred Van Fleet, although he is a point guard, he's a backup point guard, he is a shoot-first guard. You rarely see him with the dribble drive in the dimes or the kickout. He's never really been as smooth running that pick-and-roll with Surge. And if you think back to the times that he's had the most success, it's come when he's on the court with Kyle Lowry, where he can play off the ball some, or he's on the court with DeLon Wright, who's another point guard. But what that allows him to do is either he's taking the guy one-on-one, and if not, he can be off the ball and knock down open threes. And I don't know, I don't remember anyways, how many open looks Van Fleet has gotten to try to fire it up from three. I don't recall that many opportunities or shots or looks that Van Fleet has gotten. And what that means is the offensive ball movement just isn't there with that unit. And maybe it's a matter of, hey, is Gasol in there with the bench for a little more time as opposed to Surge? I don't know. There's something, but you got to figure out something to get those guys going. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give up on Freddie yet. I'm not gonna give up on Norm yet or Surge because I feel like it's little things. And the strength of especially Norm and Surge is that their abilities are far more than just being able to score. So I still think that they can be valuable to this team by playing hard on defense. And hopefully, again, I know I keep saying it, but turning your defense into offense. Let's get to more comments. DJ Raymond simply said, hashtag let Kawhi cook. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And I keep reminding people of 
how mad we were about load management. Or I shouldn't say we, because I was never mad at load management. But you're seeing load management pay off now, because Kawhi unleashed in these playoffs is a beast. I said during the game at one point, just give Kawhi the ball and everyone else rest up on defense to get stops. Because he was a man possessed and wasn't being stopped. I like seeing these comments too on Instagram. Someone's just saying, great game. It's like, it's a, it's a playoffs. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. And these are big time games with star players, right? Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi, Siakam. Like you're talking about Kyle Lowry, Marcus Gasol. You're talking about all-star caliber players. This is going to be a good series. And yes, the Raptors didn't shoot well in this game, but you got to really break it down and think now through two games, Kawhi Leonard's played really great, shot really well. And Siakam also shot really well in game one. Siakam shot really poorly in game two. And that's the difference in the series. Yes, Kyle had more points in this game, but he didn't really shoot that well in terms of percentage-wise. He didn't really shoot that well in Game 1 or Game 2. Same goes for Danny. Same goes for Mark. And you got nothing from the bench. So if you're Philly, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, well, if we let Kawhi go and we focus in on slowing down Siakam, make him work harder for his baskets, and leave it to the other guys to get buckets... I don't know if this is going to be the easy walk in the park that most Raptors fans thought it would be after one game. But I'm just going to say, I tried to warn y'all. I tried to say, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because it's the playoffs and it's not going to be easy. Uh, let's see. Someone says, Danny should feel bad. He made those shots all year. I'm sure nobody feels worse about missing those wide open looks in Danny Green. Like He has a resume, a playoff resume of doing this. Not in the second round, but in the NBA Finals. So I'm sure Danny's probably going to be in the gym shooting jumpers. I'm sure, I haven't heard the post-game clips, but I'm sure Kawhi is saying that he would have given Danny Green the ball again in that same situation. So it's okay. Diaz says, we're going to be fine, guys. Missed a ton of shots. Most of the boys had an off night. I'm only worried about the bench. Uh, more comments. Toronto sports teams love doing everything the hard way. <laughs> Good point. James on Instagram says, Ennis and Monroe pulled the DJ Augustine. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, the Raptors getting buried. Like, Greg Monroe, where did that come from? Did anyone else notice a picture? I forget if it was ESPN or The Ringer or who put it up there, but it was basically the Eastern Conference semifinals are set, and it was Greg Monroe wearing the jersey of every team in the Eastern Conference finals. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, more comments here. First half was pathetic. Danny Green stunk it up. Yep, we've been over that, but it's all right. It's all right. Not worried about that. Uh, are people worried about the rebounding? Austin says, I think our bench and our rebounding lost us that game. The rebounding wasn't good. There were a lot of like second chance rebounds, and that's tough. Again, that's one of those little things where when you're trying to make a comeback and you're exerting so much energy, now you, you grind it out to get a tough shot but the defensive possession isn't over until you secure that rebound. And there are so many times where the Raptors gave that up and just gave the Sixers another chance to get more points, to have to make the Raptors work a little harder for another possession and exert more energy. Alex says, at least it wasn't a blowout. 
I don't know if the Raptors are going to get blown out in the playoffs. I think they just play too much defense. Like, their defense is just that good. And, hey, in this game, Kawhi Leonard was just that good that he wasn't going to allow them to get blown out. Uh, Derek says, pretty much as bad as you can play and still came down to the last shot. Hey, that's a good way to look at it, right? That's a positive way to look at it. And if you're the Raps, you're going to look back at this game. Like if this series ends up going six or seven, you're going to look back at this game and think this was a missed opportunity to take a stranglehold on the series. Because who knows what Joel Embiid's health is? Who knows what Joel Embiid is really dealing with? But Tobias had an off night. Ben Simmons was only six points in this game. It was an ugly game for the Sixers. And I feel like this is a style of play the Sixers have to win with. It has to be a slugfest, kind of grind it out. Like, the Raptors want free-flowing. They want to run up and down, hit threes, get all that going. The Sixers, I feel like they're at their best where down the stretch, we saw it, dump it into Embiid, let Jimmy kind of cook on the ISO, but that's half-court basketball. That's how the Sixers won this game down the stretch. That was their style of play. The Raptors need to get out in transition, get Pascal easy buckets, have that ball movement to get Danny Green wide open looks. Same for Gasol, same for Kyle Lowry. Uh, let's get to more comments here. Darren says, I feel like they could have done a better job of controlling the pace by slowing it down. Not to mention the defense was lacking. Can't wait to see the adjustment Nurse makes. That comment is the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> I honestly think, yes, controlling the pace is key, but I think the Raptors need to speed it up because so much of what Siakam does is based off of energy. And now you're asking, you know, Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler to also tire themselves out because they got to log major minutes, but Siakam is more bouncy. Siakam has more energy. I don't know if they can run up and down the court, run suicides with uh, Pascal Siakam up the floor for a full game and then get buckets like they need to to make the Sixers win. Uh, let's see, more comments here. Horrible game, tough one to take, but, a Philly, but Philly is a damn good team. No one said it was going to be easy, but it could have gone either way. Got to make shots. Another comment. I don't know what to say about the refs at this point. Again, I don't think the refs, like, I'm never here to blame it on the refs. The refs weren't good. I mean, there was a point where I still don't know what Brett Brown was mad at, but Brett Brown fully ran onto the court, <laughs> and then I don't know what happened. But the refs didn't see it. The refs didn't call it. It was a weird move. But either way, uh, so many comments here. My guy C. Brown says, good luck with this show, my man. That was absolutely painful to watch. Uh, another comment from Ah Geez says Gasol passed on too many easy shots. Uh, more comments, uh, but what a time! Do we not put Kawhi on him? I don't know if that's Jimmy Butler, but I don't know. Either way, I'm not going to make that that call. I don't think that was a big deal at all, or as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. Uh, this Instagram feed is about to go down, but huge shouts to the people on Instagram. Really appreciate all the comments. Shouts to all you guys. Derek says, if Gasol, Lowry, Pascal, Green, Abaka, Powell, Van Fleet, or Meeks play just a bit better, the Raptors win. <laughs> and that's hilarious and should give us hope. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good comment. And I think that's a good way to close down the Instagram feed. Again, 
Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate all the comments from the regulars on Instagram. Always appreciate you guys being here in the comment section, filling it up, and giving me someone to talk to. Uh, someone says, call out Nick Nurse. I don't know if that's a thing. I'm, I'm not really mad at Nick Nurse. I think taking the tech, that wasn't a good look. Um, he can't make Fred Van Fleet, Norman Powell, or Serge play better, so I don't know. He can't make guys hit open shots, so I'm not going to blame uh, Nick Nurse. Someone says, my point is Nurse is a coach. He should have anticipated these adjustments and devised a plan to counter those. Yes, Nick Nurse should be aware that there would be adjustments made by the Sixers. No doubt. But you don't know what those adjustments are going to be until the game starts. They're going to go back. They're going to watch tape. I'm pretty sure, I guarantee you, they'll have different counters for what the Sixers did. I bet you one of the things you'll see is you'll see Mark Gasol, instead of being so much at the high post, at the top of the key, because that's what they want to do. If Mark Gasol's at the top of the key, they don't want him beat out there, but they're okay with Tobias Harris being out there because that way Joel Embiid is still at the basket, right? So you might see the adjustment now where Siakam's at the top of the key to try to pull Embiid out there, and you see Gasol in the post, and you try to run some of that offense through Gasol in the post. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. Um, Kawhi on being guarded by Ben Simmons. I don't know if that's that big of an issue. I'm not really worried about that. I think Kawhi was still fine. Plus, making Ben Simmons have to work that much on defense means he's doing a lot less offensively. And that means getting other guys like J.J. Redick involved. So I'm okay with all that. Jimmy Butler had 30, but he had to work for those, right? Jimmy Butler had to work hard. Tobias didn't shoot well. Again, I don't know how much of this you can pin on Nick Nurse. The adjustments were made. The Raptors didn't hit shots. But hey, that could all change very easily. But shout to you guys for tuning into this. As the Toronto Raptors go down in game two to the Philadelphia 76ers, again, Raptors shoot just 36% from the floor, 27% from three. Raptors lose 94 to 89. And now the series is tied at one, heading back to Philly. And if you're the Toronto Raptors, there's two ways to look at this. And this is the beauty of the playoffs. Because you have the Philadelphia 76ers fans who are saying, well, hey, all you want to do is get a split. Right? And they did their job. They came to Toronto and got a split. And from the Raptors side of it, you can look at it and say, well, we won game one easily. Game two, nobody other than Kawhi could hit a shot. And it was still came down to a one possession game at the end. So you have two sides to look at it, but maybe it goes to the, the age-old adage of a playoff doesn't start until a road team wins. And we're seeing that now. So, hey, pull up, Raptors fans. Again, if you want to make it to the NBA Finals, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. This is going to be a great series. You got two really, really good games, and the high level of talent is going to be fun. I'm entertained. You want the Raptors to win? Sure. I'm still entertained. And I hope, I really do hope that you guys were entertained by this, the Wrap It Up podcast. Again, huge shouts to the people that are here live, rocking with me on the live stream on Twitter at Shell Alexander. We take your comments and questions there. Same thing. Appreciate the likes, appreciate the hearts, all that fun stuff. Same thing goes for Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Like and follow for more content in between the games. But of course, really appreciate the love for this podcast as the numbers continue to blow up and go as 
we start to prove to people that, hey, people do care about basketball in this country. Like, that is a thing. But, again, huge shouts. If you're ever not able to listen to the podcast live, just know that you can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play, and on YouTube. Just search On Blast Podcast. Like and subscribe there. Hit us with the likes. Hit us with the, the shares. All that fun stuff continue to spread this the movement so hey here we are we're on social media it's right here on your phones shouts to twitter for being a platform where we can interact so easily same thing on instagram this is incredible really appreciate this guys and buckle up and enjoy the rest of this series because this is going to be fun and every loss i'll say this every loss is a reminder that we could we're counting down we could be counting down the last game of Kawhi Leonard in a Raptors uniform. So I only say that to remind you guys to enjoy this because what this guy is doing for your Toronto Raptors, it's incredible. This is the best team in Raptors franchise history. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in Raptors franchise history. And he put up another big boy performance again in the playoffs for your team. So enjoy it. Hopefully next game we can enjoy a win. But I'll see you guys on Thursday after the Raptors play in Philadelphia. But my name is Sheldon Alexander. Thanks for tuning in. I really did. Used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps postgame show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.